You're listening to Radio Influence. You are in the trenches with former Buccaneers offensive lineman Ian Beckles on Radio Influence. Hello, everybody. This is Ian Beckles, and welcome back to In the Trenches. I'm going to start this thing off by, I'll congratulate Drew Brees in retirement. You know, he put in 20 years for an undersized quarterback from Purdue. I mean, I hate Purdue more than anything, but uh, I have the utmost respect for Drew Brees as an individual, as a competitor, for what he meant to his city. Um, statistically, you don't have to gas him up. He don't need anybody to gas him up. I heard a statistic the other day that the Chicago Bears have never had a quarterback throw for 4,000 yards. Never. All right? Chicago Bears have been around a long time. 11 times a quarterback threw for 5,000, and five times it was Drew Brees. So he doesn't need me to gas him up and you're top this and top that, whatever. He's, I mean, I, I heard some debates today on ESPN. And what's great about the debate is there's no right answer to who the top five quarterbacks of all time are. There's no right answer. A hundred percent. There's You can't just say t- statistically. You can't just say Super Bowls. You just can't say playoff appearances. There's so much else involved in it, okay? And when you're evaluating quarterbacks and their, their history, obviously, first and foremost, it's success, okay? You know, you can't say that Dan Marino is better than Joe Montana. You can't say that. You can't. Because I mean, there, it's success-wise, it wasn't close. Okay, you could see, for a while you can say Joe Montana was better than you know a Brady, maybe when he was six in, but ten, uh-uh, no more. Statistically, it blew him away, and it's it's too far apart. Obviously, your overall statistics, like Drew Brees, his overall statistics are ridiculous. Longevity is important as well. Greatness, like. Uh, Mahomes, okay? So right now, if you say who who was better, who was better, Drew Brees or Mahomes? The answer is Drew Brees, all right? Because of all the different factors, Mahomes has been great for a short amount of time, and then you gotta, you got to kind of pencil in, like, seasonal greatness. You know, Dan Marino had some crazy seasonal greatness. He didn't have that championship, but that seasonal greatness brings you a long way. Mahomes has had that seasonal greatness as well. Deshaun Watson, guys like that. But Drew Brees checks off almost all the categories. That's the thing. You know, we have some people like, I'll give you an example. Vinny Testaverde, okay? If you look, if if you put two t- uh, Super Bowls in Vinny Testaverde's uh, uh, career, he goes, he goes to the Hall of Fame. He goes to the Hall of Fame with the statistics that he has. He threw for an abundance of, of yards because he was around a long time. If you listen, he didn't win one, obviously, so it's a big deal. If you put two Super Bowls in Vinny Testaverde's career, he goes to the Hall of Fame. And there's got to be every quarterback's different, and like innovation has to have a little bit to say. Like, do you did you change the game? You know, Brett Favre changed the game. You know, Dan Marino changed the game. Warren Moon changed the game. You know, were you just great? Tom Brady, in a weird way, changed the game. He's doing the basics, but he changed the game as far as the way you approach being a leader. Um, you know, you know what you 
are expected in yourself. You know, you could try to be Tom Brady, but this is what you're not going to do. You're not going to have your shoulder pads and helmet in Cancun when you're vacationing. You're not that crazy. He's nuts, okay? I'm kind of crazy, and I'm very obsessive, but I'm not that obsessive. If I'm in Cancun, I'll be on the beach under, you know, an umbrella, sipping something, maybe smoking something, but I'm not going to have my pads out there doing offensive line drills because I ain't nuts. Hey, I'm, not, I'm also not going to ever be Tom Brady. I don't know if I even want to be Tom Brady, you know, to where you get drunk one time, everybody's wondering why you're human, you know. I don't even know if I want to be Tom Brady. That's a lot. Those are big shoes, real big. You know, that being said, uh, they uh, they restructured Tom Brady's contract, which everybody knew they were going to do. And um, so just kind of alleviating a little cap space for uh, Mr. Light. And they still got a bunch of stuff they need to do as well. Uh, they franchise Godwin, as we all know. And uh, they signed Levante as well. So they're on the right track. They still got a long way to go. Uh, if anybody ever wants to email me, it's ianbeckles at radioinfluence.com. Uh, pizza lover who uh, often emails, I appreciate you. Uh, so with the big news of that Prescott wanting upwards of $40 million a year, um, he says, we got a guy like Brady taking $25 million a year. Question you, Ian, uh, with such a high cap number, how can quarterbacks expect a team to put more talent around them if they're taking 25% of the salary cap? Why won't some of them look at Brady's example and try it? Okay, it's a good question. Um, I, I would ask you this, okay? And by the way, they're doing innovative ways of structuring contracts where they become a little bit more cap-friendly. And you may be making $40 million a year, but it may not be that much of a cap hit. Um uh, Dak Prescott literally drug Jerry Jones over the coast, okay? You know why? Because Jerry Jones deserved that. You're going to let you going to make Dak Prescott prove again and again and again and again that he's the guy before you pay him. So you you wanted Dak Prescott to take less money so that Jerry Jones wins the championship and he makes a ridiculous amount of money around that. Think about that for a second. If your boss approaches you and says, uh, pizza lover, uh, I would like you to take a 25% pay cut, but we're going to win this year. It's That's not Dak Prescott's problem. <laughs> it's not. That's an organizational problem. All Dak Prescott can do is go out, play as hard as he can, and make as much money as he can. You know how long you get to play this game? I mean, think of anything, any other occupation that's shorter than an NFL career. Think of one. I can't think of any. You could be a doctor until you're 90. You could be a lawyer forever. You could be a football player. Probably, by the way, his foot was backwards last year. So it doesn't take that long for, you know, it wasn't that long ago to, that, that he should be scared of his, his uh, future. Listen, you don't play that game for very long, man. You got to get your money while you can. And the question is, at the end of it, who wins? This is the answer. The one that has all the money or the most money. Because we've seen Mike Webster under bridges with his Super Bowl rings. We've seen people pawning Super Bowl rings. Listen, I don't have a Super Bowl ring, but if I had one, I wouldn't pawn it. I'm not in that situation. I don't, you know, look down on anybody that's pawning a Super Bowl ring, but you're in a bad place. I know that. I know, I know one thing. That Super Bowl ring is worth a lot to you and a lot more than how much, whatever money somebody's going to give you. It, I guarantee that Super Bowl ring, the first time you put that thing on, no way in your mind you thought you were going to sell that son of a bitch. No way. 
No way. You would have thought there's no amount of money to make me sell this thing, which I worked my whole life for. And when you see people selling Super Bowl rings, it's scary to me. Um, that means you're in a bad place, and it's probably not going to get much better. So who wins at the end? It's the one that makes the money and secures himself for the rest of his life so you don't end up under a bridge. And the sad part is you might end up under a bridge anyways, okay? That's what the sad part is. You know, we, when we went through everything with Vincent Jackson, and we don't know what's happening with Vincent. We don't know a lot of the details. I know a lot of the details, okay? Uh, and, you know, we, we we came on the air after Vincent's um, unfortunate passing, and, you know, uh, some people were upset that I immediately brought up CTE. No, it would have been upsetting if I didn't bring up CTE, because read the story. CTE's written all over it. And if you don't believe that, then go look up all the other stories. You know, Vincent Jackson, a guy that's beloved throughout the whole country, the country. People, it wasn't just Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, San Diego. He affected a lot of different people. People loved Vincent Jackson. More than, I mean, I've been around the majority of Tampa Bay athletes. He's top five, okay? He's top five with Derek Brooks, uh, Leroy Selman, uh, Mike Allstott. That's, that's, that's pretty freaking high up there now. And he didn't have the career, but there's something there was something about Vincent Jackson that was extremely likable, and I mean everybody, because I, I thought he was a genuine person from from my aspect. So how dark does it have to be for you to have that beautiful wife and that beautiful family and distance yourself from them for a month in a hotel room by yourself? That's pretty dark, okay? So you know when we're talking about CTE as we go forward. You know, don't know what's happening with Vincent Jackson, but once again, 111 brains, okay, were given into a study, and 110 of them had CTE. Vincent Jackson's family is 100% sure he had CTE, all right? I've, I've been so close to the source. Other than talking to his wife, I came the next down, okay? I talked to that person, and they have absolutely no doubt that it was CTE. So that's that's that. And we we'll see we'll get to, we'll get the uh, results from that hopefully pretty soon. But getting back to the free agency, signed Godwin. There was rumors of OBJ coming here. I was like, hell no, please no. We went through the AB thing. It worked out. OBJ is not quite AB, but I I just don't like the look. I don't like the locker room. You know, with him in it. Um, Chris Godwin to me is a perfect fit. It'd be nice if they could figure out a way to extend his contract, but I, I think that'll be tough. But just Chris Godwin just makes a lot of sense. Now, you know, I've heard rumors of them getting some stuff done with Shaq and once again figuring out ways to mess with numbers so everybody, you know, comes out on top. We'll see. Because, you know, free agency is right around the corner. Uh, they actually, as of uh, 4 o'clock today, they could start talking to some of these players on other teams and start negotiating some contracts. And uh, the free agency actually begins Wednesday at 4 o'clock. So uh, we'll be on, on air at that time on Beckles and Retcher. And it usually goes like, you know, goes crazy in the first little while. Everybody sits and waits. But they made this couple-day grace period so that, you know, it doesn't get so messy so late. You know, they're going to talk all contracts right now. and People will go back and forth. And there'll be a lot of bantering, a lot of lying, okay, a lot of maneuvering. And uh, everybody comes up with uh, with a number. So... We'll see how it all goes. Let's see if the, the Buccaneers are players, and let's see, you know, there's going to be a lot of people contacting our people now. A.B., Gronk, Sue, Shaq Barrett, obviously. 
you know, there's going to be a lot of people contacting our people. It's going to be hard for Jason White to stay on top of all those names and make sure that he's babysitting them. And, you know, you always want that right of first refusal. And I, I would think that all the names that I mentioned, like A.B. doesn't want to leave Tom Brady, does he? He held his hand the whole time. Like, literally. Gronk ain't going no darn where. Sue doesn't want to go nowhere at the end of his career if he doesn't retire. Sue doesn't want to go move anywhere. Who, 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 who the hell wants to leave here? Now, Shaq Barrett, he can only be this marketable so long, okay? Two years from now, he probably won't be half this marketable. That's just the way the NFL works. Go get your money. But I hope that the Buccaneers figure out a way to, you know, be innovative. That's important in this day and age. You got to find ways around, and now they're talking about avoidable years and a bunch of stuff. So hopefully at the end of it, Shaq Barrett is here. And then we'll see if the Buccaneers, you know, make a couple moves. Every offseason, I say the tight end position never makes sense to me. Doesn't make sense. You got a first, you got, we got a high draft pick in OJ Howard. We got Cameron Brake that makes eight, nine million dollars a year, who's a third string tight end. And we still have to resign Gronk. You can't have that much money in a tight end position that really doesn't give you that much. What did we get? I mean, Gronk did a wonderful job of blocking last year. Unbelievable. I wouldn't, I couldn't have asked anything more from him where he is in his career. OJ Howard's just a name, okay? OJ Howard's just a name. He looks good in his uniform. I've never seen him play great. Never. And Cameron Brait, he has big games. As a whole, he ain't worth $8 million. No way. Every year we go over this. And every year, Cameron Brait will have a couple, three good games. He had a good playoff run. He'll have a couple good three, but he's not worth $8 million on the cap. No way. He's a third tight end. So, you know, every year I talk about the Buccaneers doing something. This might be the year because, you know, they still have to resign a bunch of people. And to me, that's money. And we don't have a starting tight end. You know, Gronk still has to be signed. You got to give him a little bit of money. Can't disrespect him. He ain't going to come back for $2 million. He might. But he's gonna, they're going to give Gronk a little bit of money. You know why? Because he deserves it. They don't want to disrespect him. Anyways, once again, if you ever want to email me, it's ianbeckles at radioinfluence.com. Uh, and make sure you're listening to the other podcast and Beckles and Retcher, uh, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7, usually, on uh, 95.3 WDAE and 6.20 AM. I appreciate you guys listening in. It's always football season, so you want to always tune back. Have a wonderful week, and please be safe. Peace out. You have been in the trenches with Ian Beckles on Radio Influence. This is a Landry Football Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Why wouldn't they fire less in 2013? Very simple. They are trying to cover it up. They didn't want the negative publicity and they were having some success back then. Remember Les had won a national title in seven gone and played Alabama. And there was a lot of negativity after he lost the national championship game against Alabama, particularly how he did it. And there was a lot of questionable off the field issues going on with players and problems, quarterbacks, a lot of things. So there's a lot of negativity. However, in the decision-making realm at LSU, there was still a belief that at that time that Les could turn it around, Les could fix it, Les could get them back. And they're on the verge of signing Leonard Fournette. And there are a lot of things that they didn't want to potentially ruin. They were making a lot of money and they didn't want this negativity. 
the athletic director, Joe Oliva, did. You've probably heard and read about that. Joe Oliva and Les did not like one another. And so I think Joe would have absolutely liked to move on from Les for obvious reasons due to Les's behavior, but not so obvious reasons that he didn't like Les and he didn't think Les was a very good coach. And he thought the inevitable was going to happen. And he ended up being right. I think a lot of us in the football world did as well. But they, pure and simple, tried to cover it up. The Landry Football Podcast with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.